Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Trigger warning. The following episode contains descriptions of graphic violence and adult language. Viewer discretion is advised. I'm Danielle. I'm Max. And each Wednesday, we crack open a bottle of wine and dive into some thrills, chills, and spills. This is Innocent Till Tipsy. This is our Valentine's Day special, so I'm all in pink, and you're not in any. Like <laughs> you're you're in pink. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like, it looks like weird on the camera. And then I've got my um. If you've ever seen the movie Jennifer's Body, I've got her earrings in my ears. Megan Fox. Fine. <gasps> yes. I had a crazy. She's off the market now. Well, listen, I had a crazy dream that I was friends with her and MGK last night. <laughs> and I woke up this morning and I was like, why did I wake up? Like, I was like, I thought we were friends. Like, I'm really sad. Oh, so you're like, fun. I don't want to wake up. No, it was such a good dream. It's fine. Whatever. Um, but yeah, we're going to be drinking Rose Regal. This was under my suggestion. I used to work at Walt Disney World. And during my career there, at one point, I worked on the VIP level of the Contemporary Resort. And we used to serve this. Ooh. And it's really good. Not, I never tried, obviously, at work. Um, you can no, I hadn't either. Here at Publix. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yes. And it's like, it's very affordable, I would say. I think it's like $19, $14, $19. I know nothing about this. What do you know about this? What do I know? It's delicious. Um, it's like a sparkling, I would say, rosé. Um, it just says sparkling wine. Yeah. So... Whatever that means. Um, I'm excited to taste it. It's supposed to taste of hints of rose petals and raspberries. That mm-hmm. is very Valentine-y. I like it. It is. Yeah. When we said we were going to do a Valentine's Day episode, I was like, we've got to drink Rosé Regal because it's just like, it's so Valentine's-y. All right. Oh, I'm, I'm so nervous to pop this cork. I'm very scared. Yeah. I think, I don't think it's going to spray. I'm just scared that I'm near a bunch Over of the carpet. <laughs> <I'm> just- <laughs> and it, yeah. And a MacBook. That too. Okay, I'm going to pop it. Um, okay. Wait, I'm not ready. I'm still okay. unwrapping. This is like a full wait on. for you. I don't want to get take it in the face either. Me neither. That's <laughs> why I'm holding it like this way. <laughs> you know, like angling it away. I don't know if we talked about this on, I think maybe on one of my last episodes. So like the new Scream movie's out and I'm just really proud of my nails. <gasps> I've got ghosts Ooh. on them. Yeah, I don't know. If and, isn't Jamie Lee Kirk? Jamie Lee Curtis is that no that's Halloween um oh, she's, in, she's in all the Halloween movies um but uh, uh Courtney Cox David Arquette yes, yes um yeah Nev Campbell Campbell um all them at the movies. yes yeah. I just saw like I just recently went to the movies second movie since COVID not because I don't go out just because I haven't gone to the movies and yeah. I'm so excited there's all these re like reboots I love it I love it have you seen the new Spider-Man yet no, that's nostalgia for you. You got to see it before it gets spoiled for you. Did you watch like any of the old Spider-Mans? It's been a long time. I watched the oh, one. Uh, I've watched a few of them. Actually, can't think. Oh, I loved I it. I'm, Spider-Man, I'm not a Marvel person, but the Spider-Man was good. I enjoyed that. But yeah. Okay. Love it. Okay. Yep. All right. Re- ah! 
I'm so scared. Oh, did you pull it? You pulled it. I was going to like pop it You're going to pop it. Do it. Wait, yeah, did you just pull it out? Yeah, I like I like did that because I'm oh, too scared. Oh, okay. I can feel it. Okay, here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, clean up on aisle five. Well, it could have been so much worse. <laughs> I can't say that I wasn't expecting that because that's exactly what I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I'm normally the messy one. So I don't yeah, know how mine didn't go everywhere. You had like a clean open. Yours is good. I know. All right. I'm going to pour it. I've got like this cute little skull glass. So we're not totally Valentine's <laughs> over in my house. Let's never ink or anything else. I'm excited because this is our first sparkling. That's true. I mean, we did like when we did our photos, we did have some champagne, which was fun. We sprayed that earlier. Yes, that's true. That's what I was afraid was about to happen here <laughs> at home on the carpet um, and with red. Yeah. Gosh. Um, we need like a list actually of now that we're like many episodes in of all the things we've tried. Because that's what I was oh. thinking. This is our first sparkling. So Yeah. All right. Ready, Ready to try? Cheers. Yay. Oh, I like it. Mm-hmm. That's a fun one. I think for Valentine's Day especially, it's like it's really good. It is like strawberry and not like it's sweet, but um, it's not like champagne. I I don't know what to compare it to. Yeah, I don't How know. How would they sell this? Because it's not like it's not dry at all. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know. It's very nice. It's refreshing almost. Yeah. And I guess you could even cut up some strawberries and put it in if you want to do like a romantic touch or something, you know? Yes. Um, in your bottom of your champagne glass. Um, I would think this would pair well with like tons of chocolate too. Oh yeah. This is like desserty in and of itself. Like you, I probably will drink this whole bottle. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I'm scared of. I'm like, I'm going to be sitting here. I'm going to be lit by the end of this. Cause it's like candy. It's so good. <laughs> and like, I don't even like sweet wines. So this is like, I don't know. Yeah, but it's not it's like sweet. sickeningly sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm, interesting. I don't taste, do you taste rose petals? It says it on there, but I just taste a lot of strawberry, which is nice. Yeah, to me, it's more like strawberry. It's not like fragrant in any mm-hmm. way. So, so what are we going to talk about? I'm pumped. I'm excited for this episode. So originally, we remember with our Christmas episode, we talked about like a bunch of different cases. And mm-hmm. so I was thinking we were going to go in that direction with this. And I kind of looked up, like just Googled like Valentine's Day cases. And this was the first one that caught my eye. And so I started to look into it. And then I got hooked and now I have a book on it. Oh, so oh my gosh. What is that? I Limb to limb? Limb from limb. Oh my. We'll get into what that means here shortly. Um, this may be a familiar case to a few people. Um, I, As I was looking it up, I was kind of shocked that I didn't know about it. You might know about it, Max. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to learn about it if I don't. So this actually happened over in Detroit, Miss Michigan, um, during obviously the colder months. Um, but before we get into the main case that we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about a mini case ahead of time Ooh. and they both connect by the end of this. Um, this one's really rough and it does seem unrelated, but I promise through a twist of events, it all connects. Okay. And this happened in the same County as well. Macomb County. So, in the early morning hours of February 4th, 2007, single mother Jennifer Kukla had started to hear voices. These voices told her to kill her daughters, sparing them from future pain. Mm. 
Mm. She chased Ashley, who was five, and her eight-year-old sister, Alexandra, around their trailer with a butcher knife. Oh, my God. She slashed Ashley, the five-year-old, with a knife across her chest, and Ashley ran and hid under the kitchen table. Her sister, Alexandra, screamed, Mommy, don't do it. (sighs) Um, Jennifer wheeled and attacked her eldest, nearly severing her head. She stopped her nose. (gasps) Oh my, she, cause she's hearing voices. That's what prompted this. Yeah. Then she wheeled on her youngest who was hiding under the kitchen table Mm -hmm. and drug her out from under it, like in a horror movie. Like it's the craziest Mm -mm. thing. And And poor baby's five. I know. And murdered her in the same way. That's horrifying. Mm -hmm. She then disemboweled the family dogs. She had a Pomeranian that two puppies. And she said that she did this because she didn't want them to eat her children. Oh, that's really, yeah, I was not expecting that either. No. And then in a frenzy, she went into her daughter's bedroom and killed their pet mouse by snapping its neck. Oh, and she's alive. She's alive, though. Did she get... Because that's how we know these details. Yes. So she then took her two children, almost Andrea Yates style, into the bedroom where she propped them Mm -hmm. up on their bed. Oh, no. own room. So hours later, like over 10 hours later, Jennifer's sister pulls up because she was supposed to take her sister out to dinner that evening, right? And she had her own kids in her car. Mm -hmm. She comes up to the trailer and she sees Jennifer like pacing in the trailer and she comes in and Jennifer tells her, she's like, I've killed my girls. And she said she fled. She was terrified of her sister. She flees. Um, She gets into her car, drives off. She said she's scared. She's going to kill her kids. Right. And as she's driving, she calls 911 and says, I'm afraid my sisters hurt her children. When the Macomb County Sheriff's Office arrives, they find Jennifer sitting on her porch, hands in her, her head in her hands. When the officer went up to her, she reportedly told the officer that she was waiting on a hearse made of bones to take her to Hades. Like to hell, Hades? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, this is so bizarre. I don't even know. It's so crazy. She did have injuries like self-mutilation um, on her arms, but they weren't nearly enough that would make you think she was actually trying to kill herself they would later Mm -hmm. stay in court right her defense would later argue that it was a mixture of mental illness and the fear that cps was going to come and take her girls that caused her to do this the jury did take into consideration jennifer's mental illnesses they never really specified what they were there wasn't a lot of information on this particular case to be honest like out and about there was more information on what would happen later which we'll talk about later and what year did this happen 2007 so fairly recently, like, mm-hmm. I don't remember hearing about this. It's so horrifying. Like horrifying. Yeah. That. Yeah. So the, um, she is receiving treatment currently. Um, she, they rejected her insanity plea though. Um, and so she is, she was found guilty of murdering her children and she will spend the rest of her life in prison. Um, Sheriff Hackle would later say that this was one of the most difficult cases he's ever worked on in his career. Said you could see from the girls' bedrooms that they didn't have a lot, but that Mm -hmm. everything they had, they cherished. Mm -hmm. And how horrifying it was to find these little girls in their bedroom, surrounded by their own things and photos of themselves smiling with their mother. That's so, so sad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So just a little over a week later in that same year on Valentine's Day in the same freaking county, Macomb County, stay-at-home dad Stephen Grant would walk into the sheriff's office to report his 34-year-old wife, Tara, missing. He said that after a fight, she had left the house in a dark vehicle, said that at the time he assumed the vehicle was from a car service that she usually used um, to travel because she traveled a lot for work. So he just assumed it was that. So Tara Grant had grown up on her family farm in small town Perkins, Michigan, with her sister, who was also her best friend, Alicia. Mm -hmm. She grew up with an amazing work ethic because of this, was an exceptional student, basketball player, cheerleader, on the yearbook staff, involved in every extracurricular activity that you could possibly think of. One teacher said that Tara was just one of those students that when you went home for the night and then woke up in the morning, made you want to get up and go back to work. Oh, Just a great kid, a real go-getter. Yeah. Determined to make something of herself, too. So a lot of people thought it was weird when she ended up with Stephen Grant, who was just your average run-of-the-mill guy, average Mm. didn't go above and beyond. He was just there. Did they meet in high school or, like, is he from the same place? Oh, so they would actually meet when she goes to university. Gotcha. But he just didn't have the same drive as her. No extracurriculars ever in his life. Um, He actually did have a run-in with law enforcement when he was about 12. He'd made a pipe bomb out of fireworks with his friends Uh, on the lawn and then tried to lie about that. Yeah, you're 12. Don't do that. Don't do it. (laughs) But I guess sometimes opposites attract. Tara would study business at Michigan State, and that's where she met Stephen in 1994. Okay. So at first she wasn't interested in Steven at all. They had gone on a couple of dates, but she, she wasn't really like pursuing him at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wouldn't be until he showed up for her grandmother's funeral that she felt really touched by this because her grandmother's funeral was about two hours away from where he lived. And he'd like driven like all that way. That's a sweet gesture. Yeah. Yeah. He knew how close she was with her grandmother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he'd even gone out for dinner with her and her family, like after the funeral as well. So he was just kind of being there for her. Right. Yeah. And that's when she, she figured out that she was in love with him. And so their relationship kind of carried on through that. Stephen and Tara had been married nearly 11 years when he walked into the Macomb County Sheriff's Office to report her missing. Stephen said he hadn't seen Tara since she left the family home late on February 9th after a fight. And this is on Valentine's Day? Several days later. It's weird. Yeah, like almost a week. Five days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. And now you're reporting her missing like five days later? Five days later. And you're the last one that saw her? <laughs> lot of I haven't ones. heard of this, but <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm chair detective. Yeah. Well, maybe it will click, but um, yeah, not yet. Yeah. So at this point, Tara was an executive working for a company called Washington Group International. Her boss had recently overseen the company demilitarizing chem- chemical weapons, according to Stephen. And Stephen told police that he was concerned that terrorists had kidnapped his wife because of this. Or that she'd been exposed to nerve gas. Um, those are both very, very <laughs> conspiracy theory type explanations. The detective that was taking his statement was like, okay, this guy's seen a lot of television. <laughs> <laughs> yes. One too many like Liam Neeson movies for you. (laughs) Stephen also told police that the family, as well as himself, was concerned that Tara was having an affair with her boss, Lou. 
Well, she sounds important. I'm sure she was like very smart and attractive. Mm -hmm. She was. She was gorgeous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this wasn't the only weird thing that Stephen Grant said and did in the sheriff's office on February 14th. For one, police noted that, just like you noted, it's weird that it took him five days to report his wife missing. Yeah. Like you hadn't heard from her. You thought she was on a business trip and you didn't hear from her for five days. Yeah. And he even seemed pissed. He was like, he brought up the fact that it was Valentine's Day and he was like, I don't know why she's not home. Like he was really like, and the police were like, okay. Um, He'd also brought this um, notebook with him that he seemed to keep nervously referencing as he kept talking about how (laughs) she was missing. He just walks around with his notebook taking notes. Little handy dandy notebook. Um, He also had a gash across his nose. Oh, no. On his hands that he said were work related injuries. Let's see. Did he wear his like clothes from the crime scene into the station too? Were they like, sir, please take off that outfit? Like he's coming in so, so obvious. Jeez. Mm hmm. Okay. Sad. But what I find is funny is he didn't work for a living. Stephen was actually, as he would say, he called himself Mr. Mom. Okay. He was a stay-at-home dad, which I, I just want to say, he proudly called himself Mr. Mom all the time. This may have been a play on the 1983 Michael Keaton movie, mm. but also what do men think fatherhood is? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Oh, I'm going to hit them. I'm well, just like, mad though. <laughs> like, like, what the heck? Like, okay, Mr. Mom. Anyways. Yeah, I know. Like, that's called being a dad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Usually one partner works in the relationship and the other, like, kind of picks it up at home. But, I mean, that's kind of how America has worked, unfortunately. So, yeah. Anyways, Uh, Mr. Mom had live in help. Um, The Grants had two children at the time, Lindsay, who was six, and Ian, who was about four. According to one source I read, there was a mix-up at one point with Tara's doctor who was supposed to get her a birth control shot but had accidentally administered her a flu shot. <laughs> oh, no. Is that she, how she had one of those kids? Yeah, that's how, Ian, that's how she ended up with her second child. I'm like, that's um, terrifying to me as a woman. <laughs> yeah. That's a big mix-up. Like, I feel like you could sue that doctor. That's a huge mix-up. For giving you an extra child, you're like, yeah, I didn't get the flu, but I got pregnant. (laughs) I've got to pay for now. I don't know. Anyways, you're like, I would have rather had the flu today. Oh no, pregnancy. (laughs) I don't know how that mix-up could happen. They check stuff so many times, right? Like I was like, when I heard that, I was like, I'm sorry. How? I don't know. I don't know about all that. No. Oh, maybe. Right. So after she, they found out that she was pregnant, Stephen insisted that they get more help in the household. I guess two kids was just too much for him to handle. Um, <laughs> Mr. Mom. Yeah. Putting out ads. Okay. By the time of Tara's disappearance, Verena, who was 19 at the time and from Germany, was the sixth au pair that the family had had in the span of five years. I feel like I want to Google this. This is sounding more familiar now. Mm. Mm. The nanny. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, most of these au pairs had quit only after a few weeks with them. Their reasons for quitting had varied. Some were afraid they were being snooped on and watched, afraid of tirades from Stephen. And one au pair from the Ukraine had said that Stephen, quote unquote, gave me the creeps. And she always had a feeling that he was watching her. Yeah. Okay. Wait, can I Google? Am I allowed to do that since yeah, we're at home in front yeah. of our computers? There is Tara. 
not that one. Sorry. I'm, <laughs> it's like backwards <laughs> with her 80s hair. Oh my gosh. Um, awesome. And is her is that her sister or friend or somebody? That's her Alicia, sister? I'm pretty sure. Yep. And Alicia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. She's pretty. She's so pretty. Mm-hmm. She's gorgeous. The, this was the thing. I listened to one podcast on this and they kept talking about how good looking he was. And I was like, and then they were like, this was how he was described at the time. I never saw anywhere describe him as good looking. He was described as very bug eyed. Like he's just (laughs) strange, strange looking man. This man. Yeah. This is a perfect photo to send you. Um, (laughs) I can only imagine what I'm going to get here. (laughs) There you go. That's Steven. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's very accurate. For those of you listening, that's a great description. He's bug eyed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Now, well, now I have a name and a face. Okay. Yeah. So what was strange was 19 year old Verena had told police that she wasn't aware of any discord in the family, even though the former au pairs had told police that actually they would all fight all the time, but it was more psychological manipulation rather than like, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like yelling. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like actual. Yeah. And even stranger, Verena said that it was very weird that Tara hadn't made her nightly calls to the kids because Tara was a very active mother. She would leave her kids like notes, mm-hmm. all sorts of things. Um, even though she traveled so much for work, she was gone every week um, for the entire week and only home on weekends. But oh, she really? still, yes, she traveled to um, Puerto Rico. Okay, so she traveled for work every week. That's pretty like ahead of her time. Even now for moms to travel every week is is like pretty demanding yeah so she he would stay home with the kids and mm-hmm. she would be gone for about like five days at a time and she would come home on fridays and then go back out on mondays and steven said that their fight that they'd had where she just left on the ninth was actually about this he said that she'd arrived home friday the ninth and that she had been super she said that she was leaving she was going for um on Sunday instead of Monday. So he was like, great, you're only technically home for one day with our kids. That was like where the fight started. Um, so that's why he said she just left. She was just like done. She was mad and she had just gone. So yeah. Um, hmm. What was weird too was when detectives called her family, friends, coworkers, including Lou, all of them said that she never would have willingly left her kids with no explanation or contact at all. No, and none of them had been contacted either, right? No. Like, so nobody's yeah. heard from her. Nobody's would be suspicious. Her. Alicia she- hadn't heard from her. Like, no one. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but when police got access to Tara's phone records as well as her credit card statements, which, by the way, this is a total side note, but I know you and I have wondered on a couple of cases why, when there's a missing person, wh- why don't phone records especially get like just handed over? Because that was a whole thing with Apple. Right. You have to like fight for case. them. Yeah. Um, uh, so I found out with this case, kind of why, at least in the state of Michigan. So the case has to have extensive circumstances, not extend. It was spelled E-X-I-G-E-N-T. But basically what that means, it's a situation above and beyond the normal circumstance. So since Tara had been missing for five days and her husband hadn't reported her missing and sh- he showed signs of injury, as well as um, the fact that she didn't have a history with drugs and she never missed work. That's how they were able to obtain the records in this instance. So neither Tara's phone nor her credit cards, which Stephen happily showed the police when they came over on February 14th to just interview him and chat with him, had been used since the morning of February 9th. 
Oh, yeah. So like no trace of her since no February trace. 9th. Yeah. Yeah. And that's weird if you're traveling and everything else, right? So yeah. and wait, wouldn't her work know that she was traveling for work? Mm-hmm. They'd yeah. be like, call her boss. Where is she? Yeah. And Lou said yeah. he was like, it's she would not have missed a day of work and she'd miss Monday. She hadn't been there, even though he'd said she was trying to leave early for it. So it didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so February 14th, the day that Stephen had told police that she was missing. Police officers went over to the Grant household just for initial questioning to chat. It was two officers. They came in and Lindsay Grant, the six-year-old daughter, she had happily showed them a tour of the family home, explaining to them that mummy travels for work, but she would be home soon. Hmm. When the police left that day, apparently, according to these two officers, they looked at each other and said, okay, so he killed her. We just don't know what happened or where she is. Oh, well, yeah. Like, I mean, this is so suspicious anyways. Yeah. When Stephen had come into the sheriff's office to report his wife missing, he actually had a warrant out for his arrest. This warrant was because he had over $900 worth of traffic violations that were unpaid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The officer that had taken his statement said at the time he'd chosen to let this slide because he just wanted to keep Stephen talking. Like, obviously, things weren't correct when he came in. So he's like, just get this guy talking, right? Yep. And on the 15th, so the day after reporting Tara was missing, he would be pulled over. Stephen would be pulled over for failing to signal. Oh, my God. He's, like, driving a minivan with these kids in it and, like, racking up traffic tickets. No, that's crazy that um, I bet that's, like, an ace in the hole for later, right? Like, where they are like, hey you have a warrant now we can kind of so this would actually be how they were able to um or no this would this would actually be when steven stopped helping the police was literally the day after his wife was went missing because of this yeah so basically um when the cop came up to steven's car after pulling him over he blurted out to the cop i know why you're pulling me over it's because of my wife it wasn't. It was because he failed to signal. Out of Guilty time. conscience. He's like, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, no, sir, your signal. <laughs> His license um, had actually been suspended three times between the year of 2002 to 2003 and suspended two more times in 2005. Oh, my God. One officer that worked the case said that some people think rules don't apply to them. And Stephen Grant would be one of these people. Yeah, that's sad. That's definitely like his... Mm-hmm his way of thinking mm. at one point in time too, um steven's steven would have corresponded with an ex-girlfriend which would be released to a public later um this ex-girlfriend and him didn't have an affair or anything but his messages to her were inappropriate um and at one point he told her that marriage um vows were like rules of the road like speed limits <laughs> they're made to be broken oh my god violations violations yeah he doesn't yeah. think rules apply to him. No. Um, and during this particular traffic stop in 2007, they actually found an unregistered gun in the vehicle. So they charged Stephen with reckless driving and carrying a concealed weapon. Were his kids with him? No, they weren't. Oh, so he was actually. But they probably arrested. rode with him before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like that's not. They, he just got caught then. Yeah. Well, he was actually arrested for this. And that was when he'd his lawyer had and he had alleged that they'd held him without reason, like all of this crazy stuff. He ended up pleading guilty to the lesser charge of careless driving and was only fined five hundred dollars for the gun. Um, but after this incident, Steven's lawyer told police that he would only be communicating with them. And remember, we're in 2007, but mm-hmm. through fax 
<laughs> Through facts. Uh, okay. So, the media was even less kind to Stephen Grant when they got a hold of well-off missing Tara Grant. According to many articles that I read at the time concerning the case, it was literally like 2007's Gabby Petito. Oh, okay. Which is why I'm extremely shocked that I hadn't heard about this case till now because obviously it's Detroit. A lot of crime happens in Detroit, but this well-off missing white woman. Yeah, not to, I was gonna say, not to like white executive women. Yeah. With kids so, and no. Missing white woman syndrome. Yeah, that's it. It was close that's, to that. But they were talking about this back then because they were like, yeah. why... Why Why are we just hearing about Tara's situation when obviously a lot of crime happens in this area anyways? Like, that was, like, the whole thing. Sure. But she was national headlines at the time. The media was painting Stephen as the new Scott Peterson. And Stephen wasn't doing himself any favors. Was she pregnant? She was not. For those who don't know, just in case somehow you don't. I mean, now I guess it's kind of an older case. But Scott Peterson murdered his pregnant wife, Lacey Peterson, um, and it was a huge media kerfuffle at the time. It actually ended up warranting him a new trial recently because yeah. the media, uh, like, I-, I could understand he needed another trial after that. They really screwed him on that whole thing. Um, but he was found guilty again of murdering Lacey. Um, so the media was equating him to the new Scott Peterson. Um, yeah. And Stephen wasn't doing himself any favors. He looked bug bug eyed and stressed out in every interview he gave, which like, I get it. You're stressed. Your wife's missing. But he said things that like, he said weird things during these interviews. Like he wouldn't be surprised if she was somewhere shacked up with someone. He just was worried about her and needed her to call him and let her know she was okay. Oh, it's so disrespectful. Like your wife's missing. You're like throwing stones. I don't like that. Mm -mm. And he gave like even more disparaging interviews about Tara. Um, He said things like he was a better mom to their kids than she ever was. This is a quote from him. There's no other way to put it. I was the mom in the house. She was gone all the time. If the kids needed someone to take them to swimming or school or soccer practice, I took them. Some of her family has said in the media how much she loved her kids and how she would try to fly back for their functions. But that's just not true. I can't recall one time that she did that. To be honest, as weird as it sounds for me to say this, I was the perfect mom, not Tara. That's so disparaging. And dude, you have it made in the shade. You get to stay at home with your kids while your wife is off working. Like, I'm sure she wanted to be there. She's working. She was making like so much money and he's out here shitting on her. Like, I was just like, he's literally, he's got living like while she's missing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Help that he's hitting on. Yeah. (laughs) Yuck. He would even go as far as to ask the press what kind of mother would leave her babies only to see them on weekends. A working mom. Well, she's working. Yeah. Men men do it all the time. Also, again, what do men think fatherhood is? Like this, this, this case made me like, I'm like, what in your description of Mr. Mom, like what, what do you think that being a partner in a marriage is like Steven, like Jesus fucking Christ. Like at least one person is the worker. Like at least nowadays we can't even afford to have stay at home moms or dads. Like (laughs) normally both couples are working. So what is wrong with you, Steven? Goodness. Anyways. So weird. When asked if Stephen was a suspect, Sheriff Hackle would say he's not a suspect, but his actions are suspect. <laughs> <laughs> but he's suspicious. <laughs> Showing up with scratches and like 
Five days later. Jesus. I love the sheriff. He had so many like one-liner comebacks in this. And I was like, you are like, I'm living for it. I'm here for it. He's seen it all. It's Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) He's had a hard time. Poor man. I just couldn't imagine like one week you've got this mother that's brutally murdered her children. And then like literally within the same week, you've got this man coming in me like my wife's missing. Don't know what happened. He's got cuts all over him and everything. Oh, yeah. We You're know like, what happened. We just don't know. No, <laughs> like goodness. Mm. Yeah, there's not enough time in the day for this. It's crazy. No. So on Thursday, February 22nd, police would inform the press that they believe that foul play was involved in Tara's disappearance. They also began searching Stony Creek Metro Park on a hunch after Stephen had mentioned it several times in the media that that was somewhere that he loved to go. <laughs> He just thinks he's above it all. Wow, that's really ballsy. Idiot. (laughs) Like, if I could ever, like, I am like, you are the dumbest man. Anyways, (laughs) refill. Yeah, like, refill after that one. They also told the public to be aware of their surroundings when they're in the area. The next day, Stephen told Detroit News that he would be an asset for the police in the park because he knew it so well. Sheriff, like, let me help you search. Are they even allowed to do that? Like a lot of times they're not even allowed. And he's like, I'll go show you. Hang on. (laughs) I love this. Cheryl Hackle would respond in the media with, we don't need him here unless he knows where his wife is. Having There's him a here, lot of good one-liners. <laughs> so good. Having him here may be a hindrance. His attorney told us in no uncertain terms that we can't talk to Mr. Grant except via fax. So it would be very difficult to have him here if we can't talk to him. He's going to bring his fax machine with him. Hang on. Oh, my God. In the park. Okay. On Wednesday, February 28th, Sheila Werner, who was 34 at the time, went for a walk in Stony Creek Park. Like everyone else in the area at the time, she was very much aware of the Tara Grant case and was keeping an eye out a little bit more than usual when she stumbled across a large Ziploc bag and some tree branches. Blood was, yeah, blood was pooling at the bottom of the bag that contained a pair of rubber gloves and metal shavings. Police immediately sent the bag off to the lab. Results were in the next day. It was human blood. Police had wanted a search warrant for the Grant home ever since Tara had gone missing. They now finally had enough to go before a judge and ask for one. I wonder why they could get a search warrant of his home if that's at the park. It was close enough to his house, they said, for them to be able to ask for a search warrant. Because at this point, it's just blood in a bag at the park. And they're like, this way, this lady's missing. Like, that's kind of nuts that they were able to get a search warrant. This will come up later, but the metal shavings in it resembled something from a tool and like the same. This would come up later, but the metal shavings in the Ziploc bag would resemble the same kind of shavings that you would find at a tool and dye shop. And Stephen's father Mm. owned a tool and dye shop that sometimes Stephen would work at. So there Mm. were two factors there, close enough to his house and then the fact of the metal shavings that made them be able to get. um, That makes more sense. It ties it back to something mm. he's related to. Yeah. Yeah. So Friday, March 2nd, they were finally able to fully search the Grant home. They served Stephen the search warrant, and after about a 20-minute conversation for with both him and his lawyer, who asked if they could release Stephen, and they said, yeah, of course, he's not, like, under arrest, police went to search Stephen's house, while Stephen took their golden retriever, their family golden retriever, Bentley, for a walk. Not in so, the park. No, just, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just for a walk. 
just checking. <laughs> so it was a big group of detectives at the time that responded to the Grant household. So there were a couple of detectives that were just kind of sitting in the garage, just kind of waiting to be necessary, you know, mm-hmm. on the scene while everyone else is looking. Sure. And while they were in there, they noticed a storage bin that they hadn't seemed to see before when they visited the house on February 14th. It was labeled boys clothes. So one of them opened the bin to find a black trash bag. And upon opening the trash bag, they found a closed human torso. Oh my. In his garage? His garage. <gasps> That's horrifying. It was bloodied what? and soft. And inside the container were leaves and twigs hinting at where the rest of Tara was. So they'd found a part of Tara in her own garage. Oh my God. Yeah. That's all well, he's had his kids in that house. Like I just, and it's labeled boys clothes. It's like such a no- normal household item. And this is like what you're, it's just so twisted. That's awful. So awful. So by this time, Stephen had actually borrowed his friend's truck and piled Bentley into it and headed for his sister Kelly's house where he looked for a gun, stocked up on Vicodin and left his dog. He then headed toward Lansing, but made stops along the way to pick up a pint of Jack Daniels and a toy gun. He colored the gun to make it look like a real one. It was was in hopes of committing suicide by cop. So he's a freaking coward too. Yeah. During his drive, he called his sister, allowing police to ping his cell to try to find out where the hell he was. Mm -hmm. That same day, Verena would call detectives from Germany, sobbing and screaming into the phone. I trusted him, but everything he said was a lie. At the end of February, the agency that that, um, Verena had been working with had actually sent her back to Germany after discovering that this man's wife was missing. They just thought the family was in too much of an upheaval. So they removed her from the situation. Good for them. Mm -hmm. But when Verena called police, she was hysterical because Stephen had called from the road saying he was going to kill himself. Not only that, but he told her that in a fit of rage, he had accidentally killed his wife, Tara. This was something Verena did not know. During her time at the Grant's house as the au pair, she had witnessed the family discord, even though she told police she hadn't. Not only that, but when Stephen had come on to her like the other nannies, she didn't push him as much away. And she actually believed him about the fact that their marriage was falling apart. And on February 7th, the things turned sexual between the two of them. Mm-hmm. The night that Tara had been murdered, and she's only 19. Like that, yeah. was like, I mean, he's like in his 40s. Like he's and they're there all the time together. Like yeah. Yeah. Um, the night that Tara had been murdered, Verena had come home from the bar through the garage only to hear Steven yell something to the effect of why the fuck are you back? He then would tell her that he thought she was Tara coming back after they'd had a fight. So this, his story was born for the police that he would Mm. go to the police with on February 14th. Mm -hmm. Verena did not know that she'd walked into the garage and entered the family home and she'd walked right by Tara's body. Steven had stored Mm. her in her own car at that point in time that night. Oh, my God. She entered her living quarters that night to see a note that Stephen had written that said, you owe me a kiss. She joined him in bed that night, the night that he murdered his Ew. wife. She didn't even know. Like, so well, cool. not you to her. You oh, to no, him. Yeah. No, gross. Well, I mean, you, all of it. But, like, he like, just murdered his wife. Yeah. Yeah. And, he's, and he had written. She didn't know that Tara was dead in the garage. And she also didn't know that he'd written that note after he'd murdered his, his wife. So he left that note on her bed after he'd killed Tara. Yeah, that's gross. 
and disgusting she, human. Yeah, yeah, and she also didn't know that the Grand's previous nannies had been right. Stephen was watching them. Police would Ooh. later find a peephole into the nanny's living quarters. That's so creepy. He's a creep. Like, Yuck. a creep. Oh. So Stephen's lawyer would also tell the media that Stephen had called him as he fled from the cops. His lawyer tried to remind him of all the reasons that he had to live, his children. But his lawyer would soon tell the press, I am certain Stephen Grant is dead. <laughs> it's not funny, but it is. Oh, no. Was he get a fax? <laughs> yeah, he get a fax from Stephen to let him know he's dead. <laughs> but oh, Stephen wasn't dead. He was barreling north, drunk as a skunk, popping Vicodins until he reached the northern Michigan's Wilderness State Park, where he wrote a suicide note to his children. And let me Ugh. just let me just read you the suicide note because it's it's a piece. Of no, work. he is not dad of the year or mom of the year or whatever. This is so Mr. disgusting. Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom. I know you two don't understand what happened to mom. Maybe someday Kelly will tell you what happened. Just know that I love you both more than anything. Things kept getting worse between your mom and me and things got physical. I ended up hitting mom and hurting her real bad. I was afraid of losing you too. So I ended up taking mom's life in a panic. So awesome. We're blaming the kids now. That's great. Yeah. Afraid of losing you too. <laughs> great. Okay. It's not his fault. Anyways, he says, I'm so sorry. I know it will be hard to lose me. And you're after your mom was taken from you. I have decided to end my life. I know it is better. He then would call his sister, Kelly, with his location, who called the cops. Good. Kelly. Yeah. yeah. He has a cell phone. Yeah. It's so crazy. I don't think he was really going to kill himself personally. I think he's too much of a coward to do that. But anyways. Yeah. He's, this is like so dram, like such a dramatic okay. exit. Yeah. It's about the drama. Yeah. Um, two days after Tara had been found in her own garage, police found Stephen Grant in Northern Michigan state park. He was suffering from hypothermia and frostbite and wearing just jeans, a coat and socks. Cause he'd started to take his own clothes off. Cause you know how you get like hot when you start to get hypothermia. Right. He was also extremely intoxicated off of alcohol and Vicodin sent to the hospital to receive treatment for his self self-sustained injuries, as well as weather related injuries. Unfortunately, he didn't lose any limbs or any digits. So that sucks. Anyways, <laughs> it's like terrible to laugh because the story is so horrible or like yuck. Um. Oh, once he was sober, he was more than happy to blab his story to the police. I do call into question his confession only because he asked the cops before giving it if you get a lesser sentence to confessing to something that you did in the heat of the moment. Oh, I thought you were going to say he was going to be like, is this thing on? I'm going to confess now. Like, yeah, he's trying to play, play it a different way. Yeah. So I'm not sure if this is exactly mm. what happened, but this is what he told police. He said that Tara had come home the night of the ninth, saying that she was going to go back to work early. So that was just like he'd said in the initial confession, mm -hmm. right? And I want to note, just real quick, he was naked for this whole interaction with his wife. Um, he apparently had been getting ready for bed at, and he sleeps in the nude, but he didn't think, like, listen, I've had a lot of fights with significant others. I feel like you put clothes on and you're mad. 
<laughs> yeah. Like I'm not going to be standing there with my tits out. Like, <laughs> you're like, and another thing, I thought you were about to say he was naked with his confession because he just came back from like the forest. <laughs> naked laying there with He's the He's naked. <laughs> oh. No. So this whole interaction, just keep in mind, Stephen is butt ass naked. <sighs> Such a little weirdo. Like, I don't know how this smart, talented, driven woman ended up with this man. But anyways. Ah, so. Oh, yuck. They're having this fight. She's come. She's leaving er- home early. He's pissed. He starts asking her questions about Lou, who he thinks she's having this affair with, right? Which her I boss. always, yes, her boss. Yep. And which she says to him, "Why is it always Lou like that you bring up, right?" And to which I'm like, "Have you ever insecurities?" Well, this is it. Well, whenever like you, I don't know if you remember Dean Cook's skit from like way back when. It's always the person that is cheating on the other person that's like, "Are you cheating on me?" Like, yeah, absolutely. <sighs> so he's obviously he's cheating on his wife and he's like, are you cheating on me, Tara? My God. Anyways, Tara wasn't cheating on him. Just by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, though, Stephen is like the biggest coward. I feel like we've ever talked about on the show because he said when the argument escalated to her saying that she was done with the marriage and she was taking the kids, he hit her. She then asked, is this what we're re- resorting to now and hits him back? He then launched himself at her, strangling her, but said he couldn't bear to look at her while she died. So he grabbed a shirt from off the floor and put it over his dying wife's face. No. I feel like because he's been a coward all along, like, maybe there's truth to this, but I also see why you're calling it into question. Like, grain of salt, this is his version of what happened. I don't know if it was that like he would end up being found um, guilty of premeditated murder. And I would side with that because I really don't know if it was in the heat of the moment. Like, I really wonder if because I'm pretty sure I'd read somewhere that Tara wasn't really supposed to go back to work early that week. So there's no real I don't think she started this fight personally. Mm -hmm. But anyways, um, I don't think it went down the way he says that it went down. Yeah. Um, But anyways, that's just me. He then said that he felt like he had to kill her because if a man hits a woman, he goes to jail. So that's why he continued strangling his wife because he knew he was going to get in trouble either way. You also go to jail for murder. So yeah. And you go to jail a lot longer for murder. You dumbass. Anyways, (sighs) the medical examiner would say it would have taken about a minute and a half for Tara to lose consciousness and four minutes for her to die. It's strangulation is such like a, um, crime like person what do they say personal crime because it's your hands on literally and it's a long that's a long time four minutes a long time it takes a it takes a lot longer than like you see in tv and movies to kill someone Mm -hmm. so he then used a belt that he looped around her neck to drag her down the stairs and then stored her in her own vehicle in the garage for two days oh they were upstairs for this fight yeah gotcha all two days I'm yes. So that's it's like it's weird. It kind of varies between the stories of whether how long she was in that garage for. But this is all while his children are in the house. And by the time he did try to move her, rigor mortis had already set in. So she was extremely stiff. So he had wanted to put her in like a bin and he couldn't get her oh. to like yes. So then comes into play. He then took her to his father's tool and die mm-hmm. shop where he dismembered her while drinking an entire bottle of whiskey and listening to music. Oh, yuck. 
Stephen disposed of Tara along Stony Creek using their children's bright red sled to move her. Oh, it's yeah. And like boys clothes bin and the family car and yeah. And he'd even like lost control of the sled at one point and her body parts had like spilled out too. Like it's just awful. (sighs) But he realized when police were going to search that area because they announced, and this is why police announced it, they thought it would make him sweat because they were honestly in like a stalemate with Steven at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he realized that he hadn't hid her torso as well as the other body parts. So that's why he went mm-hmm. back, picked up her torso, and then brought, if he first brought it to his father's tool and dye shop and hid it there. His dad didn't know about any of this. We'll get into more on his father here shortly. Mm-hmm. But um, hides it there for a little bit, then brings it to the house. So it was honestly kismet that the police were there at the same time because he was supposed to, he, his plan was to hide her again that afternoon that police arrived with that search warrant. So it was honestly like as horrible as it is to say, like perfect timing that the police served him that search warrant. Then are we, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm sure they would have found her because he's obviously not the brightest tool in the shed. He's a freaking idiot. Yeah. But like, they would have just had less direct, like, correlation. Yeah. Yeah. So during the time that Stephen was missing on his little adventure in the woods where he got hypothermia and everything else, the police... Running naked through the woods. All Jesus. right. He's an... I'm just glad the dog was okay. And let me tell you, I wanted to make sure our listeners knew that damn dog was okay. I listened, watched, and read so much shit until I found out that Bentley was all right. He was all right. He was left at Kelly's, Kelly's house. It took me a minute. I needed to know that Bentley was all right. <laughs> I needed the closure. Yes. So, yeah. During the time Stephen's missing, police were busy locating what they could find that remained of Tara. The first thing they found on the second search. How, of- wait, sorry. How did they know that she was in that park or where she was if they found the torso? Yes, sticks and leaves, but like they had already searched the park or weren't they already searching the park? So they did a second search search for her and they had actually said after their first initial search, they had told um, the media that they were going to continue searching the park. But honestly, at that point in time, Sheriff Hackle was like, I'm not sure if she's even here because literally it was just a hunch from mm-hmm. shit he'd said in the media. Stephen had said in the media. So they, this is all because Steven said that. And then they saw when they saw Tara's torso and it had like sticks and leaves on it and everything. They were like, okay, she was in, she was in that park. Right. So they, they restart, they start searching again. Now that's a huge park. It's like 5,000 acres and it's not like a national park either. It's like one of those parks where they've got golfing, like all other sorts of things there. So I'm, they've got hundreds of acres of woods, but I'm sure that kind of narrowed down where they were Mm -hmm. going. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. So, the first thing they found of Tara was her thighs. Her head was wedged beneath an upturned tree stump. Oh, oh, it's horrible. And Tara had been dismembered into 14 parts by Stephen. Only 10 pieces would be found of her body. Oh, my God. That is horrifying. I can't even fathom the people that, like, had to be part of this to put it all, put the case together, like, no, no. And I can't even imagine being like, like at the time that Steven was missing, uh, Sheriff Hackle said he called Alicia to be like, I don't know where he's going. He might be coming to get you. And he didn't tell her at the time that they'd found Tara because he wanted to give her that information in person. But he was like, she had just returned home from being like in Michigan looking for her sister. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, can you come back like to the area 
we'll make sure you're safe until he's found. And then they, they gave her the news of what had happened to her sister. But I'm like, how, like thinking of that happening to my brother, like my blood would be just like boiling. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, you can't like wrap your mind around it, honestly. No. So there's still missing a portion of her lower leg, her right foot and right arm. And it's so unbelievable then that he's like, I couldn't look her in the face while I was strangling her, but he could dismember her. And yeah, no. So crazy. So believe it or not, Stephen wasn't done yet being the worst fucking human on this goddamn planet. Um, Him and his sister, Kelly, desperately wanted um, her to have custody of his two children. To which Tara's sister, Alicia, fought tooth and nail, thankfully. Because, my God, yeah. this woman ends up being a piece of work. They spoke horribly about Tara in conversations that were recorded in prison and then listened to in court. About what a horrible mother Tara had been. Kelly said how Tara was the most emotionally abusive woman that she had ever met. And then Stephen responded with, well, why don't you say that in court? And Kelly was like, well, because she's the dead woman. So, like, I can't. I can't say that mm. oh, they're so disrespectful like all of it just disparaging her it left gets and right worse. it gets worse so kelly had gone to tara's funeral and stephen was incensed that they hadn't even mentioned him he could not believe they didn't mention him at his wife's funeral after he, all this came out right though like mm-hmm. when yeah mm-hmm. why would they be mentioning you you're no he's in jail he's in jail for mur- for dismembering like strangling and dismembering his wife and he just can't believe they they haven't mentioned him um, the two of them, both Kelly and Steven, would joke about how Tara would probably need multiple caskets for all the pieces of her. Oh, my God. Peace. Huh. They're what the, the hell is wrong with them? I don't know. Tara's family annually hosts a run. Um, they still do to this day to bring awareness about how domestic violence can happen to anyone. And Stephen and Kelly joked about how she should bring him a shirt from this run. Ugh. Yuck. Just pieces of work. So just before Christmas on December 21st, 2007, Stephen Grant would be found guilty of premeditated homicide and mutilation. He only got 50 to 80 years for his crime. Yeah, I don't understand sentencing law, how that happens, but. No, but he'll be 88 when he's first eligible for parole in 2057. But still, I'm like, why is he ever eligible for parole? <laughs> Wait, Yeah, no, never. And where did his kids end up? Did they go with? So they ended Alicia? up, yes. So yeah. they ended up with Alicia. Thank God, they grew mm-hmm. up with her. They're obviously young adults now, um, but yes. So they got to be with their badass aunt, Aunt Alicia, and this was crazy though. So that Christmas, after their father's sentencing, um, his daughter Lindsay would tell her aunt that she was awake when Daddy killed Mommy. Oh, that's horrible. That poor little dear. I know. And she'd witnessed the murder as well as him taking her down the stairs on the, with the belt. Cause kids, little kids are sponges. They hear everything and see oh, everything. Yeah. That little girl probably that's sticks with her. That's so awful. And to think she was in this house with him for almost a month afterwards. And then to think too, that the au pair had been sent home that had been taking care of them too. Like she's alone with this like man that she knows. The killer. Yeah. Like I just, I can't even imagine like mm-hmm. how horrifying that is. How old, how old were the girls? Um, it's, Lindsay was six sorry. and then yeah. Ian, their son was um four at the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just awful. Um, 
Stephen's father, William Allen, who went by Al, he weaved a terrorist funeral, had to sit through the court hearing, hearing his children just be awful to his murdered daughter-in-law and only visited his son very rarely in prison, would call police the following June of 2008 after his son's conviction to report a suicide, his own. Oh, that is he. Yeah. Another victim of this horrible crime. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it weighed heavily on him. The fact that his daughter-in-law had been dismembered in his own shop. Like I could not even imagine police arrived to find Al with a gunshot wound to his head. And yeah, I think Steven killed his own dad personally. Like, yeah, he should totally let that weigh on him. Of course. Yeah. But we're not done yet with Stephen's shitty behavior. Oh, my God. (laughs) Just keeps going. Remember at the beginning of this, we talked about Jennifer Kukla, who murdered her her two daughters. Well, notes of a romantic nature, if you can call wanting to meet in a storage closet romantic, would be found between her and Stephen while in prison that they'd written between each other between June and October of 2007. The same year that he'd killed Tara and fucked the nanny. So, ew. And now he's like picking up j- girls in jail. Yeah. Okay. Gross. Yeah. And also, also like really brutal crimes. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So there's like a little excerpt that I'm going to read from the book that I got, Limb from Limb. Mm. Um, and this is like the notes that him and her had written to each other. So he says to Kukla, I still laugh when I remember your one note. You asked, are you scared of me? LOL. You're too nice to be scared of. I just wish we could arrange a rendezvous in the closet one of these days. Ew. Yeah. Steven wrote that he missed his wife. You were the first person to ask if I miss Tara. She, for the last 13 years, has been the one I went to with all my problems. Now I don't have that person to ask for advice from. He put a sad face at the end of that sentence. In another letter to Kukla, Stephen appeared to brag about his celebrity status. Ask the other ladies if they know Steve Grant. They probably do. Ew. Stephen Grant also wrote that he was keeping a journal for his children while in prison so that when they are older, they can hear about what they or where they really came from, from two people who love them and each other. No, just one, because this guy ruined your family. So, yeah. Mm Mm-mm. He's just disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. He's always carrying around a notebook Mm because he wants to, yeah, he's, he's a center of attention. That's the thing. Um, That's disgusting. That's really gross. He's really gross. And I like, so eventually they would stop like corresponding with each other, him and Jennifer. Um, But this is uh, after she said that she got afraid of him. Like she was scared of him, which I'm like, girl, I'm scared of you. I mean, and him, but Jeez Louise. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> like, he also talked to another woman that beat her child to death while in prison in a romantic way. So he's, and they're not supposed to be corresponding with each other, just by the way. These probably like talking through the toilets. No, so <laughs> Have they you were, ever like, seen that? Yeah. <laughs> in the orange. <laughs> they're like, yeah. No, they um, were like sending it um, through like with their food service and, and shit. Yeah. Oh, I just envisioned like kites. Like uh, every prison movie I've ever seen, I'm like, oh, was it because they were passing notes this way? No, um, through food service? Oh, mm-hmm. or books? Yeah. Um, hmm. Gross. No, of course they're not supposed to be corresponding. And like, how dare you bring, like, it's just disgusting to me too, that he's like bringing Tara's name, like saying her name and like 
saying, oh, I wish she was here. I miss getting her advice. No, she doesn't owe you shit. And like, don't even mention her. You don't deserve, you don't get to mention her anymore. No, he, and he doesn't get the privilege of talking about how he misses his children, how he wants them to know like his side anymore. Like get out of town. Like no one wants to hear your side. No, but on that note, Stephen Grant's children want nothing to do with him and they don't speak to him. Good. Good. Both of them are now attending university and college. And yes, they grew up with their aunt Alicia. They are both extremely active along with their aunt in bringing awareness to domestic violence and that it has no boundaries. They hope that in sharing their mother's story and highlighting the resources that are... A Huda Media Production. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.